Welcome to Advancing All Women with Next Up. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics of the moment for women in the workplace, including key issues that affect the advancement of women, creating better workplaces for women of color, DEI and B solutions, and more. So counting down, it is my second to last podcast as host of Advancing All Women. Today, we are going to unpack a couple of technical concepts, extended reality, virtual reality, the metaverse, chat, GPT, AI. And I trust that all of these sound familiar to all of our listeners as you've read about them in the headlines, and they've been included in many business discussions and strategies these days. And I'm joined by several experts who will help explain them to all of us in in much more simple terms, in in terms that we can use to translate to our everyday lives, but more importantly, how we should be thinking about them in our jobs and in our business plans. As our group from today, where we were all preparing, someone referenced Fortnite as an early example of such a technical platform and community. Okay, so who in our audience has not heard of that or played it, right? Or probably your kids played it more likely. Well, I have many, 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 a memory of my two teenage boys and their prepubescent friends all stinkily congregated (laughs) down in our basement, (laughs) sitting on the love sacks and, oh yes, gaming chairs, of course. This was prior to all of them discovering girls and other shenanigans, shall we say. Or my sons would be laying in their beds late at night, headphones on, screaming away at their friends or their opponents, again, as they were playing Fortnite in lieu of sleep or homework, mind you. Most importantly, I remember my husband, our family CFO, screaming at them for all of the charges they had racked up on our credit cards. So clearly this Fortnite community was and still is a moneymaker. Over 250 million users and making billions of dollars. And as I further researched it, I learned it is cloud-based and reliant on AI. So today we will share with you how you as a leader should be leveraging all of these transformational technical platforms to drive innovation customer engagement, and financial growth and profitability to your business. I am Sarah Alter, your host for two more podcasts, and I'm joined by the most incredible of guests. We have Deanna Sheehan, who is Principal of Consulting Services for In Context Solutions. Billy Gillespie, a Client Delivery Partner at Microsoft. And Stacy Ring Sanders, VP of Category Strategy and Development at Kellogg Company. Um, welcome to all of our brilliant technical experts. Thank you. Alrighty, so we we have been so excited, and I have to say, in every session we've been laughing away. So this is going to be a really fun podcast. <laughs> um, okay, Deanna, uh, pick us off. Why are you here today? <laughs> I am here um, because in the last four years, I have actually changed positions and joined In Context Solutions with the goal of helping to figure out how to make virtual commerce a reality, something that was tangible and commercially viable and, and, and a way for retailers where I've spent my entire career supporting Um, a way for retailers to extend their brand presence online in the same way that they do in store. Um, That part of that journey has ultimately led to this new position where I am tasked with um, launching our limitless commerce consulting practice, which focuses on metaverse and extended reality strategy. So very excited to be here. Yeah. So we're just not talking a website here. We are talking like multiple dimensions. And I, and I love that. And I'm, and I'm going to sing your praises. Um, Deanna has also started her own company. She is, she is serving the incredible in context solutions, but she started her own company, PDG insights. 
Um, so we, we, as, as everybody knows, like on all of our podcasts, we include all sorts of content and links. So you can find her there. Um, alrighty. So, um, so thank you, Deanna, for introducing us to our two other technical experts. I'm, I'm going to call you all professors, right? <laughs> um, Billy, let's hear about what's going on at, at Microsoft, uh, a whole lot. <laughs> Yeah, there's a ton going on, and this yeah. whole concept of the uh, the metaverse, the meta world, or we call it many different names, is one of the hottest topics. And since ChatGPT came out, and our investment in in AI and other technologies, it just continues to grow dramatically. And everyone's looking for, you know, how do I do more with less? How do I change that experience? How do I grow my sales? And I think as we look at the metaverse, the meta world here, that's going to be one of the future technologies technologies that drives everything. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. So appreciate it. And Stacy, last but not least. Yeah, I think from my perspective, um, as we look at these new technological advances, it's really been a continuum. And at Kellogg, we engaged very early on within Context Solutions mm -hmm. to really take advantage and really try and find new ways to reach consumers in maybe different ways through utilizing the, their platform from a virtual research standpoint to really get to answers much quicker than maybe we had in the old test and learn environments. And so we've learned a great deal along that path, but then also how do we evolve that to how do we potentially engage our consumers and shoppers better online Mm -hmm. utilizing different services. And so it's been a journey for Kellogg and we continue to evolve and really excited about what's been provided and how much more nimble we can act in these types of environments. Yeah, no, and I, and I know we're going to, we're going to unpack all of those great examples, um, you know, of how businesses have been able to leverage these, these technical platforms and, and there's multiple ones to consider. Um, but before we go there, Bill, Billy, how do we think we're going to be revolutionizing lives or jobs? And, and I remember when we were chatting at our prep session, you talked about, you referenced um, Warren Buffett and his yeah, so concept. On, yeah. It, it, it share with our audience because I love it, that. I think it sets great context. Yeah. Warren has a great analogy about how America has stayed a superpower and, and driven a lot of the technology, not technology, but advances in the world. At the same time we drive the advances, there's also, let's call it the pet, the, the concern, oh my God, what's going to happen? Sometimes the panic, right. what's going on with ChatGPT and OpenAI, that the machines are going to take over the world. But Warren laid it out pretty good. If you go back to the early 1800s, 80% um, of people farmed. That's the only major occupation we had, and that's where you got your food. And then different technology came along, you know, the horse and the plow, the cotton gin, and all of a sudden, Look today, I think it's 17% of our population actually farms. The next big innovation uh, actually came from Henry Ford, right? So the, the manufacturing line, the car. I remember a great quote when Henry Ford was trying to get his final money to open up that first manufacturing line. He's working for Tom Edison at his plant. And Edison just asked him and said, hey, what's going on with your new idea and stuff? And he goes, I can't get any funding because everyone tells me that the horse will never go away. You'll never get rid of the horse. This is a crazy idea. It's stupid. And then Edison told him and said, you know what? If someone's telling you it's a stupid idea, then you're probably on the right track. You should go forward with it. And Edison gave him his final money. Yeah. Um, so he opened up uh, the automobile plant, but more importantly, the manufacturing line, right, which changed everything, brought everyone from outdoors into a manufacturing line. He developed the first working community. And one thing we don't realize is he developed the 40-hour work week. Um, he was working people mm -hmm. 60 hours a week. Productivity dropped dropped dramatically. And he said, well, let's mm -hmm. cut the hours down to 40. So dramatic change there, right? Then you can go back to electricity, the first radio. I remember mm -hmm. my grandmother talking about her parents when the first radio came out, like this was going to destroy civilization. You should just get up and walk down to the neighbor. You don't read the newspaper. People are going to stop reading. But from radio to television to where, we're, where they are with computers to the laptops to digital, this new world of AI is just this next evolution. And from a country, as long as we keep driving it, we'll stay at the forefront of what we're doing. And we should respect what AI can do, understand that there's good and bad, uh, but we shouldn't be afraid of it and stop it. And that's that, that's an important piece of moving forward. Yeah, no, it's, it's so interesting. It just reminded me, I remember in the thick of COVID, 
my my husband had stumbled across this stat that like the same number of people sadly you know were dying from covid that um were dying from cars and car mm-hmm. accidents when they were first invented and and it you know it was it it was it was an in- interesting thing because to your point with any level of innovation or transformation there's that fear and yeah. and and we see it in the headlines when it comes to ai for sure right exactly. it, yeah no yeah no thank you thank you for that context i thought that was so interesting um so we've referenced ai but you know let's now shift to metaverse and and deanna share with us how that's di- like you know share how that's different because we've got whole whole bunch of terms extended reality metaverse ai you know chat gpt there's a whole bunch of things that we're all thinking <laughs> about and reading about so fill us in connect the dots <laughs> well i think at the most basic levels as we think about metaverse and extended reality we have to understand that ai is a technological advancement that is discrete and separate, but complementary to metaverse. It's also complementary to hundreds of other things, including help my, helping my 13-year-old daughter figure out how to write an essay about word, why, why words matter. Um, metaverse. They, they do. <laughs> they do matter. Yeah. <laughs> Data does too, right? Yeah. An unexpected parenting <laughs> conversation this week and her discovery of chat GBT. Um, Uh-oh. With that said... Talking about, as we talk about metaverse and extended reality, at its most basic basic level, extended reality is where we have started. And it's actually this, this origin that started with 3D content. So as 3D content came into play and came into commercial use, right, you move into virtual reality. And virtual reality is taking things that exist or don't exist and creating 3D replicas, digital twins of them in an environment that either can be immersive or just experience, right? And and so as we start to think about video games, video games are at the core 3D experiences. Now, some video games, as you said, with Fortnite and Roblox is another, are metaverse experiences. Others are not. But at kind of the most basic level, when you think about extended reality, it is comprised of 3D content that is presented in either a virtual reality experience or an augmented reality experience. And sometimes you can combine both. Virtual reality is very much something I think a lot of us are familiar with, right? As you think of games, as you think of of some people, when they think of virtual reality, think of headsets. The truth is eight out of 10 virtual reality experiences are actually occurring and experienced either on a laptop, a tablet, or a phone, right? Headsets are really kind of that that potentially the future state, but but that's still to be determined. Like, when like, you an, talk, o- like an Oculus, right? Like yeah. an Oculus, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, augmented reality uses 3D content but in essence, superimposes it on your existing experience. Um, The consumer's interaction with augmented reality really kind of became something that was really publicly known with the launch of Pokemon Go. And Pokemon Go was kind of that first interaction for people regardless of their age of augmented reality, but manufacturers and retailers in the industry as a whole really started to understand power of augmented reality as people became more comfortable with it, both for commercial reasons, but also for branding reasons. So today, if you go into your Wayfair app, even if you go into Amazon, you can try on clothes using augmented reality. You can make sure that that new couch works perfectly in the space that it should be in with augmented reality. You can you can at this point start to move into things like reading the labels and getting stories from brands using augmented reality in your store, looking at products. So the at a larger level, the industries have kind of found ways to use 3D interactivity, interactive experiences to better communicate brand stories, to better provide 
experiences to people, but also to start to create efficiencies in things like training and development and things like that using virtual reality or augmented reality as a way to build off of them. And, and so to your inc- incredibly useful you know, definitions, it, it, AI is layered on top to yeah. elevate the experience. It leverages data, like in Fortnite, it, 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 it responds to how somebody plays and then it reacts accordingly by leveraging data. So, okay. And that's one way. The truth with AI is AI is also being used to make building 3D models and digital twins faster. And and I think that's the power of AI is we are just starting to scratch the surface on how it can be used to complement the experiences that are happening in kind of extended reality. So, Stacey, you've got an example of of that. Yeah. Yeah, at Kellogg, right? Yeah, I mean, quite a few examples. I mean, Deanna touched on some of these, but I mean, it's very interesting when you think of the word metaverse because it really became a buzz last year, right? And everybody's like, oh, it's here. The metaverse is here. And no one really understood what it really was. And so it's really been this evolution. And as Deanna mentioned, it started with this 3D imaging. And how do we build planograms and bring those to life a little bit more for the retailer to kind of see how it might look in store um, on a computer versus actually in store, because sometimes that's disruptive to the shopping experience, etc. cetera. Uh, but, you know, today um, we are using it in a multitude of different ways, you know, augmented reality from the standpoint of here's some different display options, Mr. Retailer. Here's how it would look at this specific space in your store it's not overly cumbersome. It makes it quick and easy and, you know, obviously some incremental sales. We've also used it in terms of extensively in research. So you go back to the old days where you would be doing test and learn scenarios in store around the planogram or shelf. What that required was a retailer committing to providing so many stores to test and then going through putting labor in place to actually reset those stores, and then really looking at about a four to six month window to get really valid data. Mm-hmm. In this experience, we've created that in a virtual environment where we can say, here's our current planogram of how items might look in a specific set. Here are two to three different ideas, and we can test those where we actually recreate the store aisle per se, uh, and get a panel of consumers. They go under their computer, they enter the store, they go to the aisle where that specific category sits, and they can look at those different options. From there, we can get a lot of qualitative and quantitative um, output. And the great thing is you can do this in two to three weeks time. Yeah. And have the results very quickly. It's much more affordable. And the best part is the correlation with actual real world results is in the 90 to 95% range. So you're no longer having to spend months of time, lots of money. You can get these answers very quickly. And we've utilized in context solutions and others to do this type of work for us. Um, other ways that we've used it is in training and development. So for our retail reps and putting them in that store environment as they're learning about what they need to do in store, they can we can actually take them, say, to the cereal section and say, you know, here's what we expect you to do. And they can do that all through a virtual headset. So no longer do we have to bring, you know, 35 new reps into headquarter location, do the training. Yeah take them out to a store, show them exactly what they need to do, we can actually do that uh, virtually. And it, again, no more travel and expense, very good results, and they, they learn in a very similar way. And then I'd say thirdly, um, as we look at things that we're doing with our retail partners, and we're just starting to engage in this, but in the era of COVID, uh, it became very difficult to meet with retailers. So 
we'd have those big connection or um, conventions with FMI or WAFC or NGA or whatever it might be, well, we could no longer meet in person. So we developed this customer collaboration center by which we can actually host meetings in a virtual environment, similar to a Zoom, but bringing in all the bells and whistles of, you know, here's a display module that you can see that we might have in the room traditionally, Mm -hmm. or here's what we would say is best practice shelving based on the research we've done and actually show them what that looks like for a specific category. So it's really kind of opened the doors in terms of how we connect. I think this will evolve significantly over the next several years. And so you think of online shopping and how people shop today and they've got a list and they typically have a buy again button so that they can very easily create that. But what if you could actually shop your store in a virtual environment? Does it lead to more discovery? Does it lead to potentially social interaction with uh, folks as you're planning Thanksgiving dinner and being able to do that online, very similar to the gaming experience where these kids are chatting back and forth about the game. How can you do menu planning with your friends that are going to be coming to the dinner or what, what it might be? And so I think this will evolve more and more as time goes on. But those are some of the ways that we're using it today. And we have found it to be a much better time saver, much more efficient, and really getting us the results that we need. And across multiple dimensions, too. Like Correct. I love it's, it's, it's employees, you know, it's partners, it's vendors, it's customers. It, it takes me back. I, w- I was at Staples for a 10-year period, and I was there during the big internet boom. Okay, so I'm dating myself. You know? <laughs> Late 90s, early 2000s, but we had usability labs, right? And we would bring people in and we'd watch them navigate their way through our website. And and then we looked at all of the stats, you know, as we were able to track, you know, people when they were on our websites, but it's an even deeper dimension. Absolutely. So, So, Billy, with this though, like I, I just shared, it, you can leverage it across multiple dimensions, but then there are implications. There are things that happen beyond that, like when we talk about talent. Yeah, what we've seen, Sarah, happen, and, you know, Stacy and Deanna pointed out a couple of great things. Right now, if you look at the evolution of the metaverse right now, or any new technology, guys, right now we're in this, at the end of what we call overhyped expectations. Everyone's dug into this. Everyone's looked at it. And we're starting to move into what we call the trough of disillusionment. It's not everything we thought it was going to be. We haven't really found really good use applications. We found little ones, but not big ones. But then it'll level off to where it's going to become a common part of our business right now. The two biggest mistakes we have right now, not mistakes, it's misunderstandings, are everyone thinks, oh, my God, I got to put a headset on, right? And Deanna laid that out perfectly. No, you don't. You can actually use it on your phone if you want. Um, You don't need a headset. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is I have to replace some type of major ERP system in order to do this. It's it, You don't. It's just a user interface that sits on top of any system you have right now just to improve the experience. So this is a lot of the teaching that we have um, as we go on with our clients right now of just what the expectations are, where it's heading, and then what it really is. One of the biggest areas that we've seen, and we've tried everything that Stacy's talked about. I think Stacy's spot on with the marketing and everything else and testing stuff. Uh, the hottest area right now is around talent management. And what we're looking at right now within talent management is um, the onboarding process, the recruitment, onboarding, and training process, uh, especially within retail and a lot of other companies. Turnover still high. We can't get the, the right amount of people. And what retail is experiencing right now is an even tremendous increase in turnover in the onboarding process. Uh, up to 40% of people that are hired quit within the first 60 days. So we know something's wrong with that process. And the recruitment process, it's, it's really a shotgun process, yeah. anywhere from put up a card table in the store, send out millions of emails and texts, you know, hire every company to, to, to shout your job postings. So they're trying to figure out, okay, how do I personalize this more, maybe target the recruitment piece. So we see the big evolution and probably one of the big wins for the metaverse is going to be actually in the talent management area. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and that's, that's so interesting. Let's take a quick commercial break because we've got a lot more we're going to unpack, but um, 
feel like this is like that natural juncture point. Um, you've been listening to the Advancing All Women podcast. And when we return, like I said, we're going to further unpack these concepts, but we're going to share better practices then of how a leader in a company can leverage the full range of these newer technical concepts, such as extended reality, the metaverse, chat, GPT, AI, and beyond. So come back. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. For over 20 years, Next Up has been bringing professional women, allies, and corporate partners together to champion gender equity and advance all women in their careers. Together, we are a powerful, growing community of over 14,000 members and 300-plus regional and corporate sponsors. We work to create leadership opportunities, amplify women's voices in the workplace, and ensure that all women in business can seize opportunities in the now and in the next. Members of Next Up gain access to a broad community of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development across our 21 regional communities. Get best-in-class leadership development opportunities and attend our two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI&B and leadership. Join Next Up today. Visit nextupisnow.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member. That's nextupisnow.org slash membership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Next Up? Visit our website at nextupisnow.org. That's nextupisnow.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Well, welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Advancing All Women podcast with Sarah Alter. Today, we're chatting with three incredible and expert leaders who have leveraged a number of the more emergent technical platforms, such as extended reality, the metaverse, chat, GPT, and AI in their business models. And I am joined by Deanna Sheehan, Principal of Consulting Services for In Context Solutions and also CEO of her own company, PDG Insights. Billy Gillespie, uh, overseeing client delivery partners at Microsoft. And Stacy Ring Sanders, VP of Category Strategy and Development at the Kellogg Company. So welcome back, everybody. Um, Billy, let's let's lead off with you. There's a whole lot going on at Microsoft these days. And I know we've touched upon these concepts a little bit in our first segment, but let's dive a little bit deeper into AI and chat GPT and, and how Microsoft is using it to serve many of your partners. Sure. Yeah, great point, Sarah. So chat GPT, open AI, right? That's a company that uh, is, is spearheading the, this new generation of AI. IBM, or Microsoft's invested heavily in uh, this company. is going to be a big partner as we move forward. We call it generative uh, AI, just the next generation of AI. And everyone's pretty much played with it right now. If you haven't, I encourage you to just go out there and play with it. You know, it actually really works. It's, it, it's, yeah. it's scary good. And where we see clients latching onto this right now, we've got over 16,000 appointments just to see our technology in this area. Um, and probably the biggest area that we see it right now is in search. Um, so instead of going to the old Google search, now you can have the Bing search, which is powered by our version of that generative AI. It's, it's not just searching anymore, it's answering your search. So that's changing everything. And then the other, what other companies are looking for right after that, I have all these tasks that are out there. I still got people plugging Excel spreadsheets. I still have people coding. And in those areas, I don't, it's difficult to find people. I can't find people to fill those roles. And what we're finding right now is that uh, our version of the generative AI can actually do that work, whether it's simple Excel spreadsheets, but even bigger than that guys do analytics around an Excel spreadsheet. Or if you have people that are just basically coding and doing the QA around the coding, their generative AI can actually do that. 
The third area we see is as we embed it into our products, whether it's the Microsoft Office or Teams, um, people are using that just to make their life easier. So for instance, hey, I've got seven calendar invites today, which is the top priority. I'm meeting with Deanna later today. Can you find some information out about Deanna? And what, what the generative AI will pull up is, okay, here's all your past meetings. Here's some stuff on the World Wide Web about Deanna. So you have a complete por portfolio of why you need to talk to her or what you should need to talk wow. to her about. So all those unanswered questions that you always wanted and you needed that personal assistant, the generative AI is, is quickly becoming your, your personal assistant. All right. So then, like, you don't need CRM, right? Is that what well, you're you saying? No, you still need it, right? Because you got to have all that information. Okay. But okay. how can you pull even more information in? So take a look at a particular store. You know, if, if you're Stacy there at Kellogg, you're looking at a particular store, you want to get more into personalization. What happens around the store that we're not capturing right now? Local mm -hmm. events, you know, the weather, competitive activity. And if you can tie Deanna to stuff around the store, because we got all the information in the store, right? But if you can tie, tie Deanna to everything that's happening around the store, better understand her, then you can start to personalize it. That's what the generative AI is going to do. Uh, so that that's going to be the scary thing because it, it can consume so much information. It already has a tremendous database. Yeah. And then as you teach and train it moving forward, that personalization concept is just going to get so much simpler. But that, like, I loved your example because I think about it all the time when I've got a day and it's like back to back to back, you know, meetings or phone calls and a meeting crops up and I'm like, wait, what am I talking to this person about? And so I've noticed that on Outlook, though, to a certain degree, you see like a trail of messages that sometimes tie back to that person. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But to have that at your fingertips, like hugely productive. Yeah, um, sir, you'll, you'll see that in the next versions of Outlook. And I think it's going to be a pay for service, you know, seven bucks a month or something. But you'll be able to use the generative AI with an Outlook or Excel or Word or PowerPoint to help you write up, to help you design a PowerPoint presentation. They answer those questions about your calendar to build the Excel spreadsheet that, that tell you the anomalies of this Excel spreadsheet so you don't have to do it, right? So that's the next version and, it, and it's going tremendously fast and everyone's just gonna yeah. fall in love with it. It's gonna change our lives for the good. Yeah, absolutely, as it already has, right? Yeah. All right, so I'm going to jump around a little bit here. So, Deanna, I know you you've got some more ideas or examples for the metaverse, right? And how we can well, we can and, better and I, leverage that whole technical platform. So, fire well, away. again, <laughs> I think it's not even like I think again, it's not discrete, right? Because this is all going hand in hand. So, mm -hmm. I think as we think about AI and the metaverse, they are interconnected, and in the same way that Billy just spoke to. How many years have we been using Outlook, Outlook or, um, Microsoft right. products in our day-to-day -day businesses? And he is talking about, he actually gave this perfect example of how the generative AI can be overlaid into these, these Microsoft products and services to make our lives easier. Mm -hmm. With AI and the metaverse and, and virtual reality experiences, it's doing the same thing and can continue to do the same thing in a way that ultimately is what is going to make the metaverse so interesting and you and different because at the core it's about personalization and i think stacy even touched on this a little bit in the idea mm -hmm. of e-commerce and virtual mm -hmm. commerce and where mm -hmm. we can go right mm -hmm. the beauty of virtual commerce and meta commerce when we get there is that ai is is ultimately able to take all of the data inputs that are coming in from being online, from shopping, from playing, from doing all of these things. And it will get to a point where it can create a completely personalized experience in which two people are considering buying a Chipotle burrito in roadblocks or Fortnite. And they are going to experience the way that they shop for that Chipotle burrito in Fortnite or Roblox with entirely different cues. Like that is the path that we're going down. And it's something that is already at a much less sophisticated way starting to be brought to life now in, in, in that companies are just starting to figure out how to connect these actual metaverses. So Fortnite is a metaverse. Roblox is a metaverse. Um, 
we have multiple examples, including Chipotle, where Chipotle for two years in a row actually featured their social digital experience in the meta in a metaverse in, in Roblox and or I believe it was Fortnite for National Burrito Day. And the deals all came through the game and it sent people to the stores to get burritos. And they had some of the largest sales days of burritos prompted primarily through social media and people engaging with their brand in the game. And that's them just knowing a little bit about their shoppers. AI can actually take it to such a more sophisticated level. We have H&M that had an amazing branded experience in in Roblox. and, And ultimately, they launched a beanie, a virtual beanie. People paid a dollar for a virtual beanie. The beanie was so popular in the game that they decided to do a special edition version of the beanie in their stores that in essence sold out. And so you have these brands who have figured out how to utilize the power of branding, learn about who their shoppers are, and then find a way to commercialize it both in their physical stores and in the metaverse experience. And I, I think as you look and connect AI to then what we do now and where we're going, that shows you the potential of what can be as we start moving into a world in people in which people want to engage with their brands or their retailers virtually. And it will start on a laptop or a tablet or a phone, and then it will evolve into potentially headsets. But it also will start where initially when you're doing this commercial, these, these experiences, it's more one-on-one. It will get to the point as you think about metaverses, because the key piece about metaverses is they are communal experiences. There are multiple people together engaging at the same time. It will evolve into a way in which you can have virtual experiences, metaverse experiences, where you invite two friends to hang out with you and shop for the Oscar party that you're hosting at your house. Or shop for with your mom and your sister and your brother-in-law for all the ingredients you need for Thanksgiving dinner. And even Mm -hmm. though you're all flying in from different places, you've planned the meal together as a family, ensuring you have everything you need. And and AI will help empower that by not not only allowing people to be together and shop cross categories that don't always belong together, together, but then they will be providing recipes and media on how to bake things and digital coupons to make sure you're getting the cheapest price all in one place. So, so much of like what we've all talked about so far is that like front end experience, right? Customer engagement. I'm able to, you know, um, enrich the experience because I can personalize it, you know, make it more relevant, you know, to me. Um, I provide that community, right? I'm able to be with other people, feel like I belong a part of this brand community. Let's shift to the back end. So then like, what are the back end benefits, right? Like, I, I, I love it. It's all about the brand, brand perce- perception, and that's your brand experience and engagement. But with this rich data, like there's just got to be exponentially ways to improve the the financials right like the operation the profitability and and stacy i know you've got some examples how you've leveraged it at, at kellogg to do so absolutely and you know i think it really goes back to there's ways to market and and utilize the, these platforms to do that but then you think of the business processes and the enablement within the business processes mm-hmm. so two examples that we're utilizing AI machine learning um, for our our assortment process. So we develop assortments for all of our retailers. Um, Some of the items are the same. Some of them might be different. But, you know, back years ago, we would use Excel spreadsheets and bring in all sorts of data via, you know, POS data, um, incrementality, uh, margin potentially, Um, all of these different factors and, you know, do a lot of math behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. We are now utilizing a vendor that seamlessly will bring all that information in for us, um, 
create transferable demand. Um, so we understand at a customer category level, what is that transferable demand that's going to shift from one item to another if you you know displace it and really make the process that much easier. I mean, we have figured that we've saved probably over 300 hours of we of work by utilizing a vendor that can make this much more streamlined and oh, wow. use the information. And what's amazing is, is that then you can do different scenario plans. Like what is the impact of profitability if I do this path versus this path? If I have a supply chain issue and I have to, you know, during COVID, everybody had supply chain issues, right? Mm-hmm. Some still do. Um, a lot of uh, manufacturers had to prioritize SKUs that could be actually made. And we had to actually turn off SKUs that we just couldn't fulfill at that time. Where's that volume going to flow? What is the um, impact to the category by doing that? And there's models that exist out there to, you know, previously that did this, but they're really bringing in a lot of artificial intelligence to really help um, guide the path in terms of what is best case scenario for, you know, both the retailer consumer and um, the manufacturer. And so we utilize that and we're actually thinking, what are the additional phases of development that we need that then potentially this begins to link back to um, if we know the assortment and we know the distribution levels that we want, how do we backwards engineer that to have a better business forecasting process? How do we better engineer that so that we understand um, demand signals? So anticipating where we might have supply kinks and sending out those demand signals to our retail reps so that then they can ensure product is on the shelf. And really that's the second way we're utilizing it as well. We have another vendor that we're working with to really help with on-shelf availability and understanding from historical basis, what are the facings of a particular item that have been anticipated versus what is actually happening today? So you go back to the old days and we'd get a lot of supply chain information from the retailers and we would do something called an imputed on-shelf availability. So it was all mathematical. This we're actually having folks, you know, crowdsource, go out to the stores and actually see that and then anticipate, you know, what it, what it is or tell us what it is versus what it should be. And then what is that gap and what is the dollar value associated with closing those gaps? And how does it vary from retailer to retailer? And how does that actually marry up with um, our case fill and um, those metrics to really say, okay, we've got this product where's the kink and why it's not getting to the shelf, but it really helps dimensionalize all of those different pieces. And so these have been two ventures that we've taken on in the last two years. And I can't tell you the amount of efficiency and foresight that it's really provided us to better plan our business and really try and get to assortments that meet the consumer needs at the stores that they're shopping versus kind of that one size fits all. It, it, so, so what you're talking about to me, it's like, it's, it's data and analytics on steroids, right? Like Correct. We're, we're able to, you know, enhance, you know, the, the, the whole process by which, you know, we're going to use data to inform our business decisions. And it, it, this all kind of started because I read this incredible article in the Wall Street Journal, and I and I have to give credit. Uh, it was an article written by Sean Captain, and in it he poses these twenty five questions that you're supposed to ask yourself about AI. And so, what you just shared, Stacey, I'm like, it, it, there's nothing wrong with that. Why would be Why would we be fearful of leveraging AI to better inform our business to better serve our customers, right? Mm. But yet you still continue to see all these headlines about, okay, we need to slow AI down because it's going to change the world and take us to a bad place. And and one of these questions is, and I want to hear what all of you have to say. It says, is it okay for AI to brainstorm ideas for projects or products that you later claim as your own? 
Would it change your answer if you came up with the original question? What if you fine-tuned some of the ideas? What if you give the AI some credit for helping you? And then he he goes on to ask like a whole bunch of other questions, but yeah, yeah, what do you think? Yeah. I think absolutely. I mean, for me, it's the starting point, right? And from there, you kind of personalize it to what the needs of your company consumers and retailers need. But if you can take out some of those upfront steps to get to that first idea, why not? not? Because everybody's time constrained, right? There's not enough hours in the day, the 40 hour work week that Billy mentioned (laughs) that I, I struggle with a 40 hour work week. Why not cut some of those hours out and use that as a starting point? It's not that you're going to take it as, as it is, but you're going to massage it to be what you need it to be. Yeah. Deanna, I see you shaking your head. Yes. And Billy, I want to hear what you think too. Yeah. No. And I, and I think what's interesting is at this point, and, and I joked about my daughter, but at the core, if you think about yourself personally and yourself professionally, how many times when getting started on a project, how many times did you sit through unproductive brainstorming meetings that really left like led to nowhere. How many times? Too many. For some, <laughs> Too how many, many times yeah. writing a survey? And as someone yeah. who is a researcher, yeah. did I sit there and be like, what am I going to say here? Um, utilizing AI, what it does is it helps to a degree break through the clutter yeah. and gives you a place mm-hmm. to start. And I think at the core, it's that place to start, whether it's an eighth grade essay or it's writing a primary research study or it's putting together a PowerPoint presentation, right? At the core, it's about making us more efficient and more effective. Yeah. Billy. So I remember, guys, so if I had to do a project, right, whether it's for work or not for work, if you go back, it will date ourselves here, guys, right? (laughs) Go to the library and pull out the encyclopedia, right? (gasps) Okay, thank you. Right there with you. Right there with (laughs) you. Can't wait till the new version comes out, right? And then the World Wide Web came by. So we were searching that, right? And this is just the next evolution. So guys, if I have a project at work today, if I got I want to sell something to Kellogg's, I'm going to have myself or some, some analyst go to the World Wide Web and start to pull up all this information, right. put it into a format that we can analyze. This generative AI, it just does that for you. Before Stacy sees it, I'm going to send it over to a creative person you know, here at Microsoft that's going to make okay. sure the wording's right and looks pretty. Generative AI does does that for you. So, you know, some people we get hung up and oh my God, the world's coming to an end or what we're doing it right now. It's just going to make it a lot easier for us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've said to my kids, you know, cause I didn't know the answer, right. Or I yeah. didn't know how to tutor them through a problem, you know, Google it, although I should say bing it, right. Google it or bing it, you know, <laughs> but it's to your point. That's, that's where you start. You know, yeah. you you surround yourself with different perspectives, right? You surround yourself with facts, with data to inform yeah. you. You feed your gut, right? And then your gut ends up, you know, making that decision, right? At the end of the day. Um, I guess the the fear stems though from the the prospect of AI or or technology taking on those emotional aspects of who we are, right? Yep. Or replacing the social communication and interaction and engagement. That's right. Is that where everyone says? Yeah. I mean, it's a tool, right? It's never going to replace some of the emotive feelings that you have associated with whatever, if it's a business process or marketing a new product or, um, working within a social um, platform, it's never going to take that out. And so it's, it's kind of an and, right? It's Mm -hmm. this and then kind of what you or your team knows about that particular situation. And to, I was just gonna say, go ahead, Deanna, please. Yeah, no. And, and and I think it's interesting because I have, I have young, I have younger children. I have a teenager, I have a middle schooler and I have an elementary school child. And what's interesting is, is, is to even just as you think of zoom and going virtual and virtual meetings, right? There are certain elements of, of not being in person 
that you miss, but there's also so much more that you gain. You actually gain better accessibility to people because rather than waiting to be in person, you can have a conversation and turning on a video allows you then to not worry about the tone that you read in a text message or an email, but actually seeing someone's face, right? And knowing when you think about metaverses and how AI feeds the different components of metaverses, the reality is Fortnite and roadblocks got my kids through the pandemic. And what's fascinating about it is, is as you look at the outcome, while there are lots of things at the core, they learned how to be friends, even when they couldn't see each other. And some of the things that come out of it is you, if you see a bunch of nine and 10 year olds played Roblox, it's actually team building. Like there's the emotional elements that mm-hmm. these tools mm-hmm. allow you to build even when you're not together. So it is very much an and, I, I think, regardless of how it's being utilized. And, and and which is what you, like your whole premise, this whole conversation has been, it's it's an integrated yes. set of technical platforms that are are the best option for all of us. It's AI plus the metaverse, you know, plus and plus and plus and couldn't agree more. Billy, any, any last thoughts before we We're wrap there, this up? Right? So Sarah, your kids, you know, communicate yeah. with emojis, WhatsApp, right? Amen. It's just a new form of communication <laughs> with us older people aren't used to. It's not replacing the emotions. It just helps accelerate that. And it's a new way to understand emotions. Yeah, no, amen. Oh, thank you so much, Stacy, Deanna, Billy. Um, so in awe of all three of you as as expert leaders who are who are guiding all of us um, through this new journey. Like you said, Billy, we're already there. <laughs> so thank you for sharing your your precious thought leadership and time with us today. Thank you to all of our listeners. We are well over sixty thousand downloads and listeners. Love you all. Keep coming back. And thank you to Voice America for giving myself and next up the opportunity to shine the spotlight on incredible leaders like these three individuals and and to serve all of our our great members and partners and and our mission to advance all women in the workplace. Um, One more show, I will be back and it's super exciting. Um, We have a phenomenal new leader and CEO over Next Step. Lisa Baird, and I'm going to be interviewing her on my very last podcast. So make sure you join us in the next couple of weeks. I'm Sarah Alter. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with Next Up. Be sure to check out all the episodes on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.